welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, the podcast series that weekends were invented for. This week, I am joined by the Team Supreme, EG Editor Sam McClary and Deputy Editor Tim Burke. So, how has the week been for you both? I was going to sing, but I've chickened out. <laughs> what, uh, were you, what were you going to sing? Because I'm EG, EG Like Sunday Morning. I can, Don't I can sing hear... any more than that, we'll probably have to pay royalties. Oh yeah, I can hear the record contracts just dropping <laughs> right now. <laughs> Uh, my week's been fine, thanks, Jeff. Um, good. Good, yeah. Good, good, uplifting, but also um, I, I've been sad as well this week, cause, which I am every time we do, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, every mm. time we do our LGBTQ survey, um, yeah, which always leaves me torn, feeling ex- um, mm. positive and then a little bit upset, or quite a lot upset, a lot of mm. bit upset. We will we will definitely come to that. Tim, how, how's your week been? Week's been good, thank you. I can't believe we're at the end of February already. Well, I kind of, I mean, I can. I understand on a <laughs> basic level how time passing works, but it <laughs> still feels like it's happened quickly. It definitely does. Uh, so, as Sam, as, as, we, as we mentioned uh, last time out, and, and as you, you uh, mentioned just now, we, we, we have published the results of what I believe is our third EG LGBTQ plus survey, uh, which offers, uh, I think you're right, a bit of a mix of positive news, but but some slightly depressing findings as well. So how, first off, how has the response been this time compared to the previous surveys? Yeah, okay. I think there is, um, there's a little bit of survey lethargy, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, certainly more than enough to get a, a pretty good view of 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 the market but uh and you know this is still something that um weighs weighs heavy i think on a lot of people in the in the industry uh and there is still you know as as anyone who reads the piece will know there's still a, there's still a big issue around mm. lgbtq plus in this industry and particularly around the t of those those um letters actually and and a really long way to go with that. Mm-hmm, definitely. So how would you sum up some of the key findings of the survey? So I think, I mean, it shows a little bit of a slip backwards as to in from the direction that we were going going in, in terms of um, people feeling safe in their work workplaces, people feeling that um, the industry is doing enough around um, inclusivity for LGBTQ+. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent that's understandable you know there has been all attention has gone elsewhere i suppose during the last last year there's been lots of things that we've been focused on that are covid related and and sometimes despite you know a lot of talk about this is all about people i think sometimes we can slip backwards um to um uh to what we felt was you know i guess the norm or how, or how um and I think that has impacted things, but that can't, you know, that can't be the excuse for for slipping slipping backwards. Um, but you know, there are also some really, really, really positive things. And the most overwhelmingly positive for me was that, despite that slippage backwards, and pe- not as many people feeling as safe in their workplace as they had done before, 
overwhelmingly respondents who were overwhelmingly LGBTQ plus mm. would recommend real estate as a industry to work into other LGBTQ plus people. And that that I think is something that we should hang on to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent, so there's still work to do, but it was it was a pretty good, pretty good number and one that I think the industry can feel feel proud of. But, you know, as I said at the beginning, there are, every time I read the survey results, um uh, my heart gets broken a little bit because not not because of the survey results, but because of a lot of the comments that are left mm. left in there. And there is I, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I'm still really shocked by some of the behaviours out there. You know, people being overlooked for prom- promotions just because they're they're gay. People being told to tone it down, mm. um, you know, or not meant, you know, not not mention or not um, that they're they're gay in front of clients, particularly overseas clients, um, just in case they, you know, they don't win the business. And you know, the very this the really the saddest comment for me was um, uh, uh, someone who had had left some really good, really good feedback throughout the survey. Said at, at the end when we asked, you know, if you'd like to um, be contacted and and be quoted, you know, let us know. And they 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 said they couldn't um, share who they were because they they knew that they'd get in trouble if mm-hmm. they did. Which to me was just just sad just really sad and heartbreaking that that in 2021 it still exists that someone can't can't say who they are or be who they are because they think they're going to get in trouble for it Mm. I thought as well there was a really striking statistic around the number of people who weren't out because they couldn't see any visible role models that would encourage them to take that step and I think you see a cycle there don't you then that if people don't feel comfortable in bringing their whole self to work then the next generation don't have that don't have those individuals that they can look to to think I see myself in them and they become a role model for for me to do the same absolutely and there was um during some of the interviews I was doing for the other pieces in the special this week and there was a really lovely story that was shared so it was um a young woman at um, Savills who is reverse mentoring um, James Gulliford. Um, and she's pretty new to Savills, 18, 18 months in. And she said when she came for her interview, it was during Pride Week. And she said she'd never really talked about her relationships at work before because it just didn't, you know, she, she's not that kind of person, but just didn't feel um, feel like the right place to to have those conversations. And when she came to Savills for that interview and saw rainbow flags everywhere she said it felt like there was this quiet hand that just touched her on the shoulder to say it's going to be all right all right here and um the other Savills colleagues on the call hadn't heard that story before and you could see just how like that made them feel really proud that they'd (laughs) created this place that you know had that you know comforting hand on the shoulder that you can be you here and it's it's going to be all right and You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a visible um, role model. It could just be a, some visible support out there, couldn't it? Hmm. Now, I know you've both received uh, feedback in the past from people who don't think that diversity and inclusion is a real estate issue or or, or say that, that that's not what they, they subscribe to EG for. 
Uh, and I'm sure that once this is published, you'll, you'll hear <laughs> the same thing in, in the coming days. What do you say to those for whom the penny still has not dropped yet, that this is absolutely one of the most important issues for real estate? I think I mean, I'd, I'd ask them to read the whole of this um, survey um, feature because quite clearly in there it shows that um, well over nine out of 10 people, 90% of respondents say that, um, you know, sort of d diversity and inclusion has a um, impact on the bottom line. And we mm. know that we don't we don't actually need this survey to tell us that that is is um, quite clearly factual and there's lots of data to to back that up. But what's even more powerful than that is the amount of um, people. So almost two thirds of respondents said that they actively looked for and prioritised applying for work at companies that are visibly LGBTQ inclusive. And, you know, we are operating in an environment where there is a huge war on talent. You know, the real estate industry is not that attractive to a lot of lot of people right now. It needs to work really hard to get really good people into it. And if you if you don't think that this is important, then you're going to miss out on that that talent. If you miss out on the talent, then you're you're just going to miss out. Your business will not do as well, you know. And the the talent of the future is gender fluid. You know, this stuff is really important to to them. If you're not up to speed with it, then you know. Um, one, shame on you, and mm. two, your loss. Mm. And I might say it more nicely than that, <laughs> but probably not. Probably not. <laughs> and because I'm sure this is another question that gets that's thrown back every time we, we publish a piece. Is this like the this. quiz again, Jess? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> How would you describe EG's own commitment to diversity and inclusion in our workplace? Um as strong um you know i think uh i don't think that anyone would say that i'm not vocal about it <laughs> um if, if they would then i clearly need to be even louder but you know we're re we're really committed to this we have just um this week actually um chosen our wildcards for the future leaders program that we're about to mm -hmm. launch which you know this year is not just focused on women it's trying to um provide a platform for for every underrepresented group in real estate of which there are, are many so you know that that project as many people know is I'm really really passionate about it's very close to my heart so I'm really excited about that you know we've got our inclusive content panel that helps keep us on on track calls us out when we're doing things things wrong and I think in t internally at EG as well we're um, we're trying really hard to um, do better. We're not perfect. We're, not, we're nowhere near near perfect, but there's um, there's a real commitment to our people and being as inclusive um, and equal as we possibly can. And, and we're actually going to run um, the Future Leader program internally as well, which is really exciting, actually. I, I, I kind of want to go on it, but I don't think I'm allowed. <laughs> Well, as a current leader, no, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're all behind you uh, in, in all that uh, that you and we are doing. Um, so moving on from from the survey results, which is obviously you know what, easily the most important thing of the week. But what um, what have been some of the news highlights out there this week? Um, we have got uh, 
a banger of a lead story in the magazine this week from Emma Rossa, who uh, has brought our readers an exclusive on Macquarie making plans for a big, a big debut in the UK's build to rent market, a billion pound um, entry to that space. So the company's teamed up with Daryl Flay and Martin Bellinger, who uh, founded Essential Living, and they've already got the first uh, acquisitions in their sites. It's um, it's a great story, and it's another big vote of of confidence in BTR in the UK. So this will be Macquarie's first equity investment in the sector. They've been doing some some debt deals there before, but you've had names like Goldman Sachs and AXA uh, building out a presence in this space as well. And it's just it's another example of the amount of of big institutional money that's that's being directed at um at btr at the moment so pretty a pretty exciting deal and i think a big mm-hmm. statement of intent from you know a name with the standing of macquarie as well um not such great news in the office space we had a, mm-hmm. a bunch of the big banks over the last week who alongside their results were were giving shareholders an update on what they wanted to do with their real estate footprint and, you know, a year ago, when we were all heading into lockdown, some of these financial services firms were among the first big companies to start talking about rethinking how much office space they needed. Maybe they didn't mm. want to have these huge, shiny HQs anymore if they didn't know that their staff were going to need to work at a desk in, in Canary Wharf or the city for five days a week. Um, now, I think we're really starting to see the fallout from that. So most the the most high profile of these cases HSBC which this week um outlined plans to to really pretty radically scale back its real estate needs but you've got Lloyds Bank as well Metro Bank you know one of the smaller names talking about um talking about scaling back that space uh, I think it's more proof as well of a, a shifting tenant mix for London um mm. you know it's it's I don't think agents are going to think it's great news to hear about big name tenants like that um vacating offices but financial services has been becoming you know a smaller contributor to take up in in the middle of london and so i think this just you know this underlines a lot of agents aren't necessarily going to be looking to to banks and asset managers and other financial services groups to take space in the square mile anymore you're you're as likely to see tnt tenants uh, you know really making a dent in the occupier market there so not great news, but but I, there are going to be opportunities for other types of of tenant to come in and take some of that space that the big banks are, are letting go of. And I'm not the kind of guy to to use a podcast like this to promote my own stories. But <laughs> if, if you I, were, if I was going to, and I'm def- I'm definitely not, just to reiterate. But if I was going to. Um, I would I would just flag this week's EG interview or EG, EG exit interview, I guess. And we've had a few of these recently. So Sam has Sam has spoken with Chris Grigg at British Land and uh, more recently Nick Walkley at uh, Homes England. And this week I had a chat with Simon Silver, who is one of the co-founders of Derwent, ahead of him stepping down from his executive directorship. So he's not. He's not retiring. He was at pains to point this out. He will still act as a consultant. But uh, it really felt like the end of an era. This, the, the guy was clearing out his desk as he was speaking with me over uh, over <laughs> over Teams. I mean, 
Derwent was set up in, in the mid 80s and, uh, and Simon and John Burns, he's its former chief exec and chairman and, and Simon's brother-in-law, they've been so closely tied to the journey of that business that it feels, it really feels like something to see both of them, you know, detached from uh, from those leadership roles now. So we talked about talked about his faith in the future of the office, why he believes London will bounce back from the pandemic, why he thinks London will change less than people think, and what he's going to be doing with some of the free time that he now has, which includes publishing a book on on buildings, non-Derwent buildings mm. that he's been inspired by over the years. It was uh, it was it was a fun chat. So the message is if you if you want to make a big exit these days, you, you do it with an EG interview. Absolutely. What what was the um what did you see him um putting away on his desk, Tim? Anything <laughs> anything exciting? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. The camera wasn't angled in a way that let me that <laughs> let me see the the boxes packed with memorabilia. Um but there was there was quite a quite a nice moment where he said one of the one of the items he's found that I mentioned this in the piece was um a postcard that he was given by somebody in the NHS that he and he and his colleagues worked with when they decided to give the flats in their building on Charlotte Street in London free of charge um, to the NHS so that um, so that students could um, could uh, could use those during the pandemic. Um, and he, you know, he shared a few lines from this this note that he received, and and then said that you know when you get feedback like that from somebody who you've you've really helped and an organisation that 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 you know couldn't have hoped to have a real estate company give them that sort of support, he said that almost feels better than striking one of the big one of the big deals that um, that a company like that is known for. And I thought that was I thought that was a pretty nice touch. Now, Tim, you're you're slightly more prepared for this uh, than Sam was last week, but only slightly. Now, uh, Sam was at pains to nominate you to to take this on, this challenge on last week. So before we wrap things up, it's time for you to face the quiz of the week. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. I felt a bit embarrassed this morning asking what the quiz was because it just showed that I hadn't listened to last week's podcast. But I, I thought it can only be a quiz on the week, so I, I, I feel like... The clue is in the name, it has to be said. So all the answers can be found within the pages of EG This Week and therefore right. online. Uh, Sam, uh, we'll give you an opportunity to buzz in if Tim's struggling. Ooh, yes. You can steal points. Uh, question one. This week, we reported that an online clothing company whose app has become a mainstay for 16 to 24-year-olds is on the lookout for a new HQ in Farringdon. But what is its name? Uh, Depop. Oh, wow, look at that. You you are down with the kids, Tim. I don't know. I, I didn't know what it was when we broke the news of it. But um, having read the story, I, I now think I understand. I don't have the app. You don't have, you haven't downloaded it yet? No. <laughs> one out of one is a good start. <laughs> Question two. In further encouraging news for development in the city, another tower secured planning consent this week. Who is building it and where is it? It is British land and it is two to three Finsbury Avenue. Oh my goodness, he even knows the address down to the very number. This is this is red hot. <laughs> two out of two. So question three is our now traditional, if you can be traditional after only two weeks, missing words round. Can you complete oh, the following okay, headline? Go on. Go on. 
on the hunt for the UK's first blank? Um, queer museum. Oh wow, he's got it as well. I thought I thought that might be an opportunity for Sam to steal in. Three and, uh, for three. Come on. Three. Hang okay. on, wait a minute. What did what did Sam get last week? What am I aiming for to top the league? Uh, no, you you've all, I think you've already beaten me. Oh, I think I think Sam got a, I mean a, a generous three, maybe a two and a half. Sam got last week. So question four. This is rigged. The legal and professional question. Oh no, I don't uh, want this one. <laughs> Go on. This week, this, this shows whether you read the section or not. This week, we have a nice, clear, easy to understand guide to common hold. So your question is, how does common hold work? <laughs> very well. <laughs> uh, there's well, very little evidence uh, for that so far in Britain, uh, at any rate. I believe, I believe the rest of the world that that would be a, a relatively fair assumption. Do you want a quick guide? Yes, please. Okay, so in a common hold building, the apartment owner owns the freehold of their apartment, and the flat is referred to as a unit. There is therefore no landlord or tenant, but all the unit owners are the freehold owners of their apartments. A common hold association is set up that owns the freehold of the common parts of the building and which runs and manages the building. And then all the unit holders, unit owners and members. There is also a common hold community statement, which is the document that sets out the rules and regulations for the unit owners and the common hold association. The unit owners are required to contribute to the cost of the repair and maintenance of the building. And the common hold association is required to arrange for the repair, maintenance, management and insurance. Simple. That is exactly word for word what I would have said. So do I get a point? You, yes, I think so. I think it's only fair. You were you were nodding sagely throughout as I as I, I rattled was, through. I was just repeating the words as she was saying them. So I think that's three out of four, Tim. So question right. five, which is the all important diary question. Oh come on, okay. An unnamed Chinese heiress has mm. broken records by renting a Mayfair mansion for £1.5 million a year. I'm not going to ask you to name the unnamed Chinese heiress, that would be an unfair question, but <laughs> she was she has done so after being shown its appearance on what Channel 5 TV show? Oh, no, I, I, knew, I knew it was a TV show, but I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it was called. I don't do I don't do terrestrial TV. It's Netflix, Amazon Prime and Disney Plus for me. I, I, it was um, it was presented by someone it was present. Can I get half a point for saying it was presented by someone from Corrie? But yes, I can't remember can. their That's, name either. There you go. I'll, I'll be generous on the diary question like I was with <laughs> Sam last week. It's, of course, Sally Lindsay's poshest sleepover. Which uh, I have to admit is not something that uh, gets major play in the Harold household either. No, I'll have to set the recorder for it. Give me one division any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Yep, uh, another decent performance, I think. Three and a half out of five, yeah, is that it? Yeah, got to be happy with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. Hang on, how do, oh, you did get half a point for yeah. Corrie, all right. Yeah. So that just about leaves us time for another roundup of what we've got coming up on the EG Property Podcast channel this week. So it's a little bit quieter next, next week, so we're giving people a chance to catch up because I know um, that we have... Um, put out a lot of audio and people really want to take their time and listen probably take notes um, on everything that we've we've done so next week it's um well Emma Rosser is back with Resi Talks uh, mm -hmm. next week and um, so that will be exciting that will be out on Friday and then of course 
We know what Sunday is. Don't we? Uh, we do. It's EG. EG, like Sunday morning. <laughs> it's almost time for you to sing again and sing us out. I think someone else should sing this time. I sung us in. <laughs> or we could do it as a trio. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you to you both for joining me. And you have been listening to... Because EG. EG like likes Sunday morning. morning. It needs work. It needs oh, oh, work. Morning. I do, yeah. I, I, that could have gone worse. <laughs> could have gone worse. <laughs> I mean, it could have gone better, but it could have gone worse. People's ears are now bleeding. <laughs>